We are so excited to get to talk about that win on Sunday. We talked about before that game that it was as much as it can feel this early in the season like a must win. And I know when that was brought up to Dirk, he really brushed that off. Well, he says what all coaches always say. Exactly, that every game is the same and a must win win and all of that. But uh, maybe just to us, it felt because of that that three-game losing streak that those are things, like you said last week, that can start to snowball a bit. So how do you feel like – just that one game on Sunday changed the outlook on this team and, yeah. and this season and what position it puts them yeah, in Yeah, we now. didn't shy away from that when, when we were talking about it last last week, how important this game was. I think mm-hmm. we clearly said that three and three were right now where we are now, uh, I guess we're two games behind the Saints because Justin Tucker finally missed an extra point for the first time ever in his entire career. Thanks a lot. Have you noticed how many field goals have been hurting us this year around the league. I'm mean, Graham Gano making a what was 62 yarder or whatever. Yeah. That one there was uh, Matt Bryan against us. I mean, but finally we got one that went for us. Which is yeah. yes. So, uh, you know, 3 and 3, uh, t- a 1 and 1 in the division, three of our remaining four division games at home. Uh, you know, some some teams coming up that are a little down in their standings as well. Um, it, this team has a chance to get on a roll now, I think, uh, which would be useful after a three-game winning streak. Right. But, you know, there, there's the uh, – unfortunately, there's the issue of while the defense looked a lot better, and that's a great thing, now without Quan Alexander, that is going to be – you know, every every coach will stand up there and say, it doesn't matter, nobody's going to say – nobody's going to feel sorry for us. Right. We have to play with whoever we have, which is all true. But Quan Alexander is, a, is going to be a tough loss for us to adjust to, I think. Yeah, that's a really great <coughs> point. And we always like to remind you guys that we take your comments, thoughts, questions, anything. So if you're not already watching over on the Buccaneers Facebook page or the Bucks Insider Live Facebook page, go to one of those, find that live video, and comment underneath that if you want us to take a crack at any of your questions. And uh, the defense, of course, was the big story going into that game, the change at coordinator. And in general, just the start of the games had been really where the defense was True. getting into a hole in this time. I yeah. mean, forcing five straight punts, not one point given up in the first half. I mean, that's a dramatic difference. Now, granted, some of those games were against the likes of yeah. some pretty incredible quarterbacks. Right. You did have a rookie QB out there as well. So, But looking at those factors, I wanted to hear your thoughts on what changed about the defense and yeah. what enabled them to have such a dramatic way they started. Right, and it really was. I know at the end of the game, it says 305 yards, which nowadays is actually good. Right, I mean, that's which is our, crazy. Our best performance of the year by 107 yards. Wow. But there's a lot of it, just like when you're when you're getting four or 500 yards on offense, you're starting to see that using yards as the main yardstick uh, <laughs> to judge how good your offensive defense is is starting to lose its value a little bit. You know, so uh, some of the other peripheral numbers were really good, and, and you you talked about how we had all those punts in a row. That's because we were getting off the field on third down, which had been a huge problem in Atlanta and several other games. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for that was I noticed early on a lot of those third downs were third and tens, third and elevens, because A, as we wanted to at the beginning of the game when Quan was still in there, we were stopping the run well. And then also we were getting a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield. He got uh, uh, five sacks by the end of the game. And uh, so the defense was making a lot of plays which you hadn't seen before. You simply just hadn't seen those third down plays. Even when we'd managed to get teams in third and longs, that often wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that was the biggest difference. Um, so, <clears throat> there, you know, the thing that's still missing, of course, is the turnovers. We did get right. one at the end of that game, but it was on special teams. 
from the point, and I think we talked about before, from the point Justin Evans made an interception at the very beginning of the Pittsburgh game on Monday night in week three, we didn't get another turnover until that one at the end of last week's game. And there were 13 takeaways by the opponent in between. You just wow. can't win that way. Yeah, that's so true. So uh, that part still needs to be fixed. But the third down defense was better, and the coverage was a lot better. And um, Dirk Cutter did say that actually before the Atlanta game that we had simplified – the defense and some of the coverages, uh, and I think that probably helped the young guys. It, it didn't take effect right away in Atlanta, right. but you could see how it worked in uh, against the Browns. And everybody's going to wonder how much of this difference can be attributed to Mark Duffner, and that's not something we can really quantify. Right. But I think it's fair to say that that was part of it. You know, they, I think he managed to get them playing. They played hard, mm -hmm. and that hasn't been a problem overall, but they played hard and, and aggressively, and, you know, they, the coverage was tight. They stuck to guys. Dirk said they – when when Baker scrambled, they I think they call it plaster. You know, it's it's tough for defensive backs when the quarterback starts scrambling yes. because then all the receivers go into just whatever type of routes, and mm -hmm. it can be hard to stick with them, and they call that plastering them, and they did a good job of that. Yeah, I had MJ Stewart on my radio show last night, and he talked about how when that happens, uh, he said it feels like backyard football all yeah, over exactly. again where people are just running all over <laughs> yeah. the place, and there's no right. rules, there's no whatever, and they're scrambling around. And when I asked him about the start the defense had, he, the word he just used over and over again was the energy that they were able okay. to bring. And then, of course, not surprisingly, when I asked him just about Mark Duffner and what he's like, mm -hmm. the first word he used was was energetic. energetic. Okay. That that was really in his mind. That was the connection there of mm. Duffner just brings a lot of energy around the building, and it seems like it was a little contagious. Yeah, again, though, it's impossible to quantify. Right. I mean, guys can say he's energetic, so therefore we had more energy, and I suppose I can't disprove that, but I don't mm -hmm. know how you can really quantify it. But I liked it. Right. <laughs> like yeah, the results. exactly. We just need to start getting turnovers because you're you're just not going to win consistently in the NFL if you're losing the turnover battle every week. That was the fourth time ever that the Buccaneers have had a turnover ratio of exactly negative three in 62 tries and wow. actually won the game. And it took, you know, a kind of a fluky um, turnover and then a 59-yard field goal for it took to a lot of weird <laughs> things. That was just such a weird game in so many ways. Um, we've had a few <sighs> questions about Riley Bola. We had both William and Aaron asking about him and what he's going to need to do to be effective and, and how much he should reasonably be expected to contribute when he's been uh, out for a little while and, you know, was primarily a practice squad guy before that. I think a lot of people are hoping. People love Riley Bullock. They, they, you know, that hard knocks bump is a real thing. Is a real <laughs> And, I mean, we love Riley as well. The same thing, the energy he brings is huge, sure. the love of the game, the passion. But uh, what do you think we can reasonably expect? He's, I mean, he's not Quan. No one's Quan. Well, he's not going to be. And he's not going to be. Yeah, but in terms of just trying to re replace yeah. some of that, the linebacker. Well, I think. Well, let me first start by saying we have a new uh, depth chart, and I was curious as to how it was going to be laid out. Mm, I don't yeah. think that um, PR has put out the press release yet, but it should be any minute now. So I think it's okay to talk about it. Um, the new depth chart in there has uh, Darius Taylor as a starting middle linebacker, and Devontae Bond, who also just came back to this team a week ago right. as the starting strong side linebacker. And then you have Riley Bulla backing up Bond and Cam Lynch backing up Levante David. And, and there's nobody listed as the backup middle linebacker. So you, that's, that doesn't mean they don't have a contingency plan. Obviously right. they do, and you have to guess who that might be. That could involve Riley Bulla. I also think if you're saying that Devontae Bond is your starting strong side linebacker a week after he came back, it's and he's never been that before, it's impossible to say that that job is his for sure and there's right. no possible way it can be wrangled away from him. So if, if Riley's listed behind them, it could be an indication that they're thinking, okay, we're going to try Devontae Bond first, see how that goes, but we could also involve Riley Bulla. You could also see the Bucks maybe getting a little creative with some sub packages and maybe there's something that involves Riley. 
or involves Cameron Lynch or involves more nickel. And nickel usually go to what was Levante and Quan, and I assume it's going to be Levante and, and Taylor as the um, the two linebackers that stay in in a traditional nickel. And in a traditional nickel, you bring in a cornerback, and we still do that a lot. But we've seen some other things, some things with uh, three safeties and, and Anthony Adams on the field. And, you know, Jordan Whitehead is is getting more healthy. You've got Isaiah Johnson, who played a lot in that last game, Justin Evans. So you've got some safety depth now that maybe you could employ that way. You could do some different things up front with three and four and five defensive linemen. So there's a lot of ways, and I'm, I'm guessing that while on one hand they want to simplify the defense, I'm guessing the – the solution to not having Quan is going to involve not just sticking one guy here and one guy here, but it's going to be a lot of different things. Right. That's that's a great point. Uh, Trey wanted to know, what's your opinion on Vita Vea's development? Seems like he had a great push in the middle quite often on Sunday. Well, that's what he does, and that's why uh, you can't really look at the stats. You know, he missed the first three games and only played fairly sparingly in the third game, and this was his first start. He has one tackle so far in his NFL career in two and a half games. So... You look at that and you go, well, he's not doing anything. But you're right, and that person was correct. He can affect the game a lot without making any mark in the box score. Okay. I think he's probably slowly rounding into form. I doubt he's anywhere near as good as he's going to be right now. But you're right, you do see times when he, his power is obvious. Right. And that's why we need to draft him. Uh, Damien said, is Ronald Jones going to get more carries and have more of a role in this offense moving forward? Yeah, I think so. I think it's gradually going to continue to be that way. It could be less gradual if Peyton Barber is not 100% healthy, Coach did say that Barber came in and out of that game several times. Uh, I, he did not specify what the injury was, and, of course, he never does. Right. So we'll have to wait until Wednesday to see how he was hurt and how bad it is and how available he is because, uh, obviously, if Peyton's out, Ronald Jones is going to get a lot more. Right. Uh, yeah, but, yes, I think gradually it will, and you saw that in that game. I thought he had a nice run up the middle. One thing that's really been nice the last two weeks is he. I think he's caught every ball thrown – maybe almost every ball thrown in this direction, which is good because his hands were a bit of a question. Uh, and also Coach said that he has become a lot better at pass protection, which you and I both know you have to be right. as a rookie in particular or you're just not going to see the field. You, it's not worth getting your quarterback killed. You, you, we know Jacquez Rogers can do that, so you can put him in there. That's a great point. Um, we had Doug ask uh, if we could speculate on the return of Beckwith at all. Yeah, well, I can tell you the situation. Last right. week was the first week that we could have brought him back at the beginning of last week. They did not and start having a practice, and that began a 21-day window. So we got this week and then next week. Uh, uh, and, and if he returned at some point then, then you can activate him to the, to the roster. If at, during that window you don't ever activate him, then he's out for the rest of the year. So we're going to know the answer to that very soon. If everything was perfect, he would have – he would have returned to practice last week because you get an exemption, so there's no reason not to put him on the field if he's ready to go. He talked to the media at the beginning of last week and said a lot of very positive things. He said everything's coming along great. Uh, you know, he thinks he's close. He's, you know, everything's going well, but that's not enough for us to know for sure that he's going to be back. Right. Okay. Uh, we <coughs> had Matt asked. He sure would be helpful right now. Yes, that is that is true. Matt asked, uh, do you predict any trades before the deadline? And then Rich specifically asked, should we trade for a linebacker? Yeah. Well, I think there are a handful of, of middle linebacker types that are out there as free agents right now. Your Navarro Bowmans and Jaws and Zaire Alexander and guys like that. I think it would be more likely to pick up a guy for depth than to trade for one. Just I'm going to say it every time 
every week when we're asked. Trades don't happen very often in mm-hmm. the NFL, and they and impactful midseason trades don't happen very often at all. Right. So who's gonna give us one of their middle linebackers right now? I mean, maybe El- Oakland since they appear to be trading everybody. Yeah, it's true. So let's look Fire at Oakland's sale. depth chart uh, and see if there's anybody worthwhile there. But um, it's it's just not likely to happen. And, and right. the, one of those questions was more: Do I foresee any trades? And if I'm a betting man, I say no. Okay. It's not impossible because there are at least two or three spots where you could say that would really be helpful. Right. So if, if you can find one, yeah. And Jared had asked if you think Deshaun Jackson's trade value would be enough to make it worth making a move with uh, him. I'm not trading Deshaun. Are you kidding me? Let's not take what's really working and weaken it to maybe get a fix that might help on the other side. I mean, I think at this point we have to, we have to understand that the Buccaneers are an offense-first team, that if this team's going anywhere, it's going to be carried by the offense – with the defense playing well enough to make that a winning thing, right? Right. So we need everything we can get on offense. We're going to be – this isn't – we haven't played our last shootout of the season. So I, I wouldn't – Deshaun Jackson is, is on pace for like 1,500 receiving yards. And yeah. we're hitting you – know, I, I just don't see why you would trade him. I mean, I know everybody speculated that at the beginning of the year, but things have gone so well that I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to lose them now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, William asked, "Do you see the team improving our secondary either through trades or otherwise?" <laughs> In general, just I, so we've discussed the trade idea now, but uh, essentially, I think the the root of his question is, "How do you see our secondary getting a little bit better this season?" Just by young players developing, and, and you saw it get better last week, and hopefully, that's just the beginning of continued development. I mean, that's really all it is. You, mm-hmm. you, you know, you. I suppose you could say. In addition to them developing, you continue to learn more and more what they do best, and right. you employ them better on a on a game by game, down by down basis. Uh, also, if the pass rush continues to do as well as it did against Cleveland, that will help the secondary quite a bit. Right. And, and we all know how rush and coverage go hand in hand. And if the pass rush gets a lot better, that's going to make things a lot easier and make more opportunities for the young guys in the secondary. Okay, perfect. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks so much for joining us. We always appreciate you being here with us every Tuesday at noon, submitting those questions, thoughts, and comments. So we'll see you back here next week.